This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me here in studio is Nick Lamone. I'm back, baby. Sam Claiborne joins us as well. Hey, what's up, everybody? And Justin Davis. Scoop. Got a great show for you this week. We'll definitely be talking about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which Woo! we've been playing for a while now, and I've been wanting to talk about because I like it quite a lot. So we can finally talk about that. Um, there's another couple games I've been playing, like Helldivers 2 and this new retro game I want to point out. And of course, there's the Borderlands trailer that we should discuss. Mm. I have some thoughts on that. But first, <laughs> I just have to share because it's not making it into the camera. I'm making the debut of this cool new Critters shirt. Oh, <laughs> yeah. This is my new Critters shirt from Cavity Colors. That was a movie that I desired very much to rent, but was not allowed to at the time <laughs> in which I would have watched Critters. But I believe I caught part. I've seen it because I've seen it on TV later or something. Oh, okay. Very, yeah. very Gremlinsy, very oh, yeah. corny. It's from a time, what, but of the Gremlins ripoffs, it's probably the best one. Definitely better than mm. Ghoulies or Munchies. Ghoulies, <laughs> God. Yeah. But the, Ghoulies, the one with the toilet on the poster. Yep, yep. Yeah. The green Ghoulie is. I mean, toilet. Garbage Pail Kids was kind of a, a Gremlins knockoff when That's it came to theaters. Interesting. Came to VHS yeah. or whatever it did. They are ghouls and goblins <laughs> to some extent. What about Leprechaun? Was that? Uh, there's just one, there's just the one leprechaun there, though. There's just one. So they yeah. haven't made leprechauns yet. What about Puppet Master? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Sam, you gotta write that on a whiteboard and then put a dollar sign in place. <laughs> yes, of the leprechauns. <laughs> um, What's Curtis, green and makes lots of money? <laughs> leprechauns. Curtis takes place in Kansas, so I like it for that aspect. But it has mm-hmm. pretty low body count, and the, their budget was so small. There's not a lot of critters action in it actually. Mm. But anyway. I still, I still enjoy watching that. Okay, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. IGN's review is up. We gave it a 9 out of 10. 
Uh, I know several Big of us score. have been playing it. We were lucky enough to get codes a couple weeks ago now. So uh, Nick has even beaten the game after 89 what? hours. Yeah, it's a long yeah, one. Yeah, mainlined it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I just kind of speed ran my way through the game. No, I did. Uh, I didn't 100% it, but I did like... I say I ninety seven percented it. Ninety. I mean, that's the game is conducive to that. It, area by area, you can finish the kind of areas you go through. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to say, ninety seven percenting games is the right way. The final three percent is always horrible. Anyway, yeah. like don't bother, <laughs> don't bother people. Just move on with your life. It's a little confusing that sometimes it's like you you don't know why you can't hundred percent an area. So we'll have guides mm-hmm. for all that. Yeah. But then there's also I think is there just really difficult stuff too, Nick. There's some really hard stuff, especially in the okay. in the late yeah. game. Like these are the fun battles. They are very fun, but man, some of them mm. are just full on. You are retooling your characters entirely for a specific mm. fight. Right, 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 right. <clears throat> That's fun, but like you just got also maybe maybe wait till a guide comes out. Yeah, after ninety hours, I was like, I think I'm good. I think I'm done. <laughs> Well, the game's not out for another week, mm-hmm. uh, right? So, uh, Sam, will all of our guide covers be published on launch day? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So the first thing I want to say is I like this game a lot more than the first part. And Nick, mm-hmm. you said you agreed with me on that. Oh, yeah, 100%. This is a, a clear uh, step forward and an evolution entirely. What do you think, Sam? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the best JRPGs of our lifetimes. Like, it's just so cool. And I'm talking about that as a, as a kind of a total... Like, once this thing's finished, like, can you imagine? This is going to be, like, just this must-play JRPG for generations, yeah. yeah. Do you think they'll be, like, surely they'll package it all together somewhere yeah. in the, I think, like, the longest so. game ever. A PlayStation be 6, so big. like, trilogy remastered for yeah. whatever yeah. the next PlayStation yeah. is, right? Play it in 8 and, and, like, yeah, they can bring <laughs> it They can bring it to sharp focus for the next generation, too, right? Like, it's, just, mean, yeah. it's just so crazy. Yeah. Justin, I know that you uh, quite enjoyed the first part of the remake. Have you been playing Rebirth at all? I didn't get one of the early codes. I'm not one of the cool kids like you, but mm-hmm. like I, I wasn't as high on Rebirth as most people were, mostly because of the scenario. Like I thought the filler stuff wasn't, you know, the stuff that they added for the remake wasn't as interesting as the scenarios that were directly ported over one to one from the original. So hearing that they kind of improved on that in the sequel, and honestly, Final Fantasy VII, what's well, like disc two, right? Like you leave Midgar, like. It was always the highlight of the game for me to begin mm-hmm. with. So yeah, I'm super pumped to go through to go through uh, remake part two. Or well, you do have to put together a parade in this, so don't get too excited. <laughs> you do <laughs> that in the original game, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. can we just say like I've been like, is it okay to spoil part one? Can we talk about things that happened in part one? It's well, been several we'll years. Just, right? Let's just give a spoiler warning, and if anyone doesn't want that spoiled, they can skip ahead. I'll give a spoiler warning. I've danced around this on GameScoop before. I was not interested in the remake and this remake trilogy at all. And the coolest thing, Square Enix did the coolest thing I've ever seen in like a video game scenario design in my life. Where like it's not, it's not a remake. It's a sequel, and they're doing timey wimey timeline stuff. And like you know, and like the fate of what happens to these characters and can they change their fate? And now people are trying to like get them back on the path and like, no, this stuff has to happen to you. Like, so it lets them have their cake and eat it too, where they're retelling the story of final fantasy seven, but they're doing it in kind of like a meta way where like, you know, I don't know what happens in the sequel. So don't spoil it for me, Nick, but like Sephiroth seemed to kind of know in part one that these events had happened before and that they were in kind of like a time loopy thing. And like, that just blew me away. I thought that was so clever. And I've never done a bigger like one to 10 hype change once I realized kind of like what they were doing with the narrative. So again, don't spoil part two for me, please. But like, <laughs> that's 
like that hook is kind of what has me on board with these remakes. It's it's just I've been wanting to like rant about how incredible I thought that was for years, but I didn't want to. It's such a cool moment. I didn't want to spoil it for anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think really that is the the right way to do something like this because yeah, sure, remaking for the sake of putting it on new hardware, making it look very flashy is fun. But from like a, a, a meatiness perspective, from like a uh, like an almost author uh, author intent perspective it's not particularly interesting to just do the same thing again so like one thing that it's so clever oh it's so good it just like it lets them make changes too and then there's an in-universe reason for why things are different Mm -hmm. like why there's more stuff in it oh it's so good there was a um yesterday and today of the day we were filming filming game scoop uh square enix put out in theaters across the country a uh final fantasy 7 advent children complete re-release in theaters and as, oh, really? as part of that it's a two-day event like a fathom events thing but as part of that they also tacked on an interview at the top of it with uh tetsuya nomura i believe hamaguchi is in there and i think kitase might be in there but basically mm. there's like just a series of questions about why they <clears throat> make it and uh one thing that i believe the uh author the scenario writer nojima talked about was taking an opportunity to yes revisit the game and put a new layer of paint do things that they weren't able to do originally due to limitations of hardware but more interestingly to the scenario writer was to layer in things that were a part of the final fantasy 7 compilation like dirge of cerberus like advent children and slowly plant the seeds more organically into the base game quote unquote so like one thing that was kind of a revelation to me that i kind of was a fan theory for a long time is at the end of remake you fight these three very like boss like whispers Mm -hmm. those three whispers one uses a sword one uses a gun and one uses fists those are actually the remnants of Sephiroth in Advent Children. Those are Kadaj, Luzu, and I forget the last dude's name. So it's like, whoa, he just casually confirmed a fan theory in a, a, a special pre-release like theater thing. Like, that's nuts. So yes, they are taking stuff from this gargantuan collection of compilation of Final Fantasy VII and weaving it in uh, organically and nicely for people who care about it. And if you don't know about it, it's also fine. You know, we talk about world building a lot and like what the uniqueness of a world is that we like to, to like explore and stuff. And, and this is just a great example of that. And I didn't think that about the original Final Fantasy seven. I thought like compared to six, four, you know, like I, I just don't I just didn't think it was built out as well. And I didn't think it was that interesting. But like it has it's had so much background now. And I so when I was looking up some stuff while playing this and I was like, oh, that's from Heaven Children. And it wasn't in like you know seven originally and like stuff like that is really cool and then i i what i i'm really noticing like right now i'm in you know juno is that the region that's that's right Junon, yeah Junon, yeah yeah Junon. that's right um and you it's really funny because what i've done for the past you know 10 15 hours is what i did in final fantasy one four and five as a kid which is you go from town to to town Mm -hmm. to dungeon to town and that's how you traverse the game. There's like there's stuff between, but that's really what you do is you, you go to a town, you buy all the stuff, talk to a bunch of people, yeah. and then you prepare for the dungeon. Go to the next town. Like it's mm-hmm. a very funny, like it's not like you know, I guess it's hard to say. Like that's a formula, but it's not super like the Odyssey. It's not super like playing a Dungeons and Dragons game, you know, mm-hmm. tabletop game necessarily. It's it's not really like Lord of the Rings. Like it's just a really interesting, funny, formulaic game template that like I just find 
having played those games, like I love seeing it. I'm like, oh, this actually looks like the original, you know, uh, Niflheim or Mm -hmm. whatever. And like, it's crazy, like looking at it in this nuts brand new game that makes it look really good. You know, just as an example. And it's just, it, I don't know, it just feels like a Final Fantasy game in the end. And that's awesome. Because they don't always, right? 15 didn't really feel like a Final Fantasy game. I, I think Maybe 16 did. I didn't play enough of it. It's also pretty interesting. Like, I personally really like Final Fantasy 16, but because it was the most recent Final Fantasy game, you can't help but compare the two just because they mm-hmm. are so similar technologically. So just like... It is wild to see. I was worried with Rebirth that the open world regions, quote unquote, would be kind of empty and feel a little bit boring. Like 16, you have these giant landscapes to explore. Mm-hmm. But there's really nothing to find there. Um, so oh, interesting. the okay. second that you could actually explore in Rebirth, I got a little worried because I was like, nothing's filling out here. But then you just go through the game naturally. And then it's like, ah. Side con side That's- content unlocks, and now I can lose all of my life to this. This is great. That's yeah. what I'm enjoying so much about it. That it's so much more open. You know, it's 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 very similar to what you would expect from an open world game mm-hmm. these days. You have a map with just tons of icons all over. You can hunt certain monsters. You can uh, find new chocobo. You can find you know people who will give you side quests and NPCs that need help and just all the stuff. So after you leave the first town, which is called what? Uh, calm. Cal- Calm, that's right, with a K. I just spent as much time as I could trying to 100% that first open area, and I was having a great time. And then when it's time to move on and push through the story, like uh, Sam was just saying, you go through a more linear, a fairly lengthy linear sequence before you get to the next area. And during that linear sequence, I was like, oh yeah, this is more what the first part of the remake felt like, and that's why I like this one so much more. It, it feels like, um, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of wild in that it seems like they've taken the past like decade of criticism towards Final Fantasy and have tried to address it to the best of their ability, right? Because when 13 came out, everyone was like, it's a corridor simulator. <laughs> and it's like, well, technically all the Final Fantasy games are. They've just been a little bit better about hiding it. Mm-hmm. Whereas 13 kind of cuts all the BS out and just really just makes you go from point A to point B. So this does a very similar thing where you are going from point A to point B, but in between point A and point B, there's a pretty big open area for you to do a bunch of fun stuff that, yeah. you know, meaningful side quests. This is one of those games where every side quest is actually pretty important and does add a lot of context to the game, whether you want to get to know more about characters, know more about areas, or just find cool things. A lot of the systems in this game, both combat-wise and in the field, all work together to get you to explore other aspects of the game and to me i think that's fundamental good game design because other parts of the game are getting you to explore the other parts of the game mm-hmm. that you might have neglected and that's fun it is fun hey do you what are they going to do for this i mean i don't know what happens in the end of this but do you think the third game will have to be like this massive leap to be even more open world because by the end of final fantasy 7 you're flying around in an airship <laughs> kind of go everywhere i'd be very curious i i kind of think that they can kind of turn around a third game much quicker than they did uh, from remake to oh, rebirth because you know if you take a look at logistically the original disc two and disc three for the most part disc three is kind of just your act three all the major stuff yep. has already happened by that point so you're just revisiting areas you've already been to and doing mm. like side quests and super dungeons and all that stuff so i i think that you'd probably revisit a lot of the areas that uh, you go to in this game but I think it'll be under very different circumstances, a la Tears of the Kingdom mm. versus Breath of the Wild's Hyrule. You'll recognize a lot of places, but 
you know, based on the original Final Fantasy VII, this has nothing to do with the rebirth, so there's no spoilers here. But just based on the original Final Fantasy VII, uh, the whole like Sephiroth summoning meteor thing, mm-hmm. the world changes based on that. Places that were once happy and bustling, everyone's now like worried about their imminent heat, heat death thanks to the meteor hanging overhead, and, and it recontextualizes a lot of areas. Mm. So where I am, uh, just like Sam, I'm in Junin, uh, and I, where I left off last night is right when you meet Yuffie. Mm-hmm. And there's, so there's a really big boss fight right before that, um, and then Junin or Yuffie wants to come and talk to you in your hotel. So I did everything I could in that first big open area. Then I came to, to this next open area. Is that what the game's like? There's like these sort of connected big open areas. Yeah, it's just as Sam said, right? You go town, okay. ex- town exploration, get your side quest, get your your equipment set up and then you venture off into the field and or dungeon kind of rinse and repeat but obviously there's a lot of nuance there in the rinse and repeat mm-hmm. so One, the, uh, go ahead good oh well i was just gonna say you know now that you're the area that you're in damon i, I really like that because um it's sh- it's basically it's kind of i mean i guess i guess it's kind of like the the first city in, in the first game but you don't get to explore the city this way but there's a there's an upper city and mm-hmm. it's like you look at it from the ground and you explore a little town that's built on like the crumbs that come down from it. But that per city, you're like, what is that up there? Like, I, you know, it's like it's like a, it's teased in a really neat way, and it's like a, you know an imperial military base. But it's like a it's so fantastical. It's just huge looking. And then you go up there, and it's so rewarding how they let you explore that. Like it's like you go up there, and you're like, this is amazing. Like what they show up there is like the first time you see the the imperial uh, uh, cruiser land on us on a death star and there's all the stormtroopers out like it is incredible and it, it i i just can't wait for people to see this stuff and like that's that's really neat because like none of that is all that is it's not a cutscene. it has not it's not really fun gameplay but it's like showing you this like power of 3d visuals mm. and teasing an environment and just like building a really cool fantasy like it's just there's so much there that just doesn't feel like a game I've played in a long time. I just, I just want to, I want to see so much more of this game every t- every inch I move. Well, one thing I was really impressed by in Rebirth is because, like, I've I've had this kind of like internal thesis for a while about Final Fantasy games, you know, post PS2 era, where it's like, as a kid, I played through Final Fantasy games one because you know it, it's all fun and cool, but what drew me in as a child was. I get to see these fancy CG cutscenes that were like blow your mind. And as I got older and as hardware improved, I found myself less drawn to those CG cutscenes because it's like, well, I'm not playing the game. And, you know, it's like I've seen, I can see high fidelity models in a video game all the time now. It's not special. But what I think Remake did so well is adapt those kind of CG pop your eyes out moment to, to be playable, mm-hmm. to seamlessly pivot into combat kind of have that god of war oneer perspective and i think that rebirth ups that one further by doing the same thing by making combat the cinematic making combat the thing that's impressive mm. and it does that with the new synergy abilities that are in the game where your oh, part your, yeah. your party members basically do chrono trigger style double techniques mm. where they work together and not only do they look cool not only are they fun to execute but they show off the style of each character every character's personality shines in combat in these like real brief moments but like we saw in the trailer at the uh, state of play there's like a barrett and Aerith uh, synergy attack where Aerith wears barrett's glasses and they pose together and then they just like shoot an enemy up and it's just like that's so cool and that like somebody was like what if we had Aerith 
wear Barrett's sunglasses and they had a good time together. And it's like, yes, make more of that. Give me more Chrono Trigger in, in modern games, please. Uh. Uh, well, speaking of the combat, you like it in general? Oh, it, it is, again, I, I don't know how they can up it further. Like, I, I was a, a, a big fan of Remake's combat. Intermission was like, wow, I, they improved it even more with the the tease of the synergy abilities and this game they upped it completely with the synergy skills and abilities so for whatever comes next i i don't know how they can improve it even more like they got to change something but i don't know what because they found just the sweet spot and they added so much complexity to uh, how you can kind of stagger enemies because the stagger system's back from Remake, uh, but instead of now just exploiting an enemy's weakness to, you know, a fire spell, there's a lot more nuance now to, hey, you need to actually read an enemy, kind of like a fighting game. Look for this cue and attack at this moment. You need to do this to interrupt X, Y, or Z. And it's like, oh, it it's like a lot more strategic now in combat and you're making all of these on the fly decisions. And as you do all those things, you build up your meter to do these synergy abilities. And it's just like the, like, like the field system where everything works together to get you to explore other aspects of the game. So too does the combat work in that way where you are doing things that you wouldn't have done in remake because it allows you to unlock other things in combat. So it all kind of works together in this wonderful cohesiveness and, uh, I mean, there's just so much synergy, if you will excuse the pun. Well, and finally, we need to talk about Queen's Blood. Whew. Which is the new, I mean, there's lots of mini games in Final Fantasy VII, but this is the new, like, card game. And Justin, you're going to love it. It's so good. I, mean, I was, I was going to say, I was, watching, I was watching the B-roll intently earlier. I said, <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, look, like, triple triad. Like, come on. Like, yeah. you know, so there's a long pedigree of just card games that are way better than they should be or need to be inside final fantasy games i'm gonna i'm gonna call it here i think queen's blood better than triple triad better than triple triad what's the one so okay let's compare it to others gwent uh, it looks like gwent it, it looks a little bit like gwent it's kind of gwent like i gwent in baseline witcher 3 is way too easy Whereas Queen's Blood is actually, it's easy up front, but it gets yeah. super hard, uh, like halfway through the game. And then by end game, you're pulling off stuff you didn't know was possible when you first got a deck going. Um, but to, to Gwent's credit, the, the dedicated Gwent game, like the Gwent RPG, yeah. Yeah. that one's actually pretty good yeah. uh, and challenging. Well, Queen, Queen's Blood is good enough to get its own like, I wish I could just play it outside of, like, on my iPad, outside of Final Fantasy 100%. It's like, I, I wish they could add a multiplayer component to, like, because it, it kind of reminds me, it, it's a game that lends itself well to having different decks that are all viable. Do you want a deck that is just pure territory control? You can do that. Do you want a deck that's all about destroying your enemies? You can do that. And they all work together and there's no one clear op deck at least not yet obviously i'm sure there's somebody who's like no if you just use x y and z cards you can breeze through this entire thing but i do like that there's the collectible aspect of it where you can win cards from opponents you can buy cards Love in it. shops and yep. and do mm -hmm. all that stuff you have complete freedom to build your own deck too just there's a lot of cards yeah several several hundred cards i think sam are we gonna have like a best, no. best queen's blood decks guide yeah, I guess so. I mean, I've completely ignored it. <laughs> I, I think you kind of have to. Want, uh, the, the, the last boss of the Queen's Blood uh, side quest was just like, dude, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. And by sheer luck of will, I pulled a, a win out. But man, that was one of the things. Next like, doing I, it. 
<laughs> I can't do it. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any strategy. People are going to mock my decks. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Anyway, I love Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is great. I'm liking it so much more than the first part of the remake, which I already liked. Uh, and I'm excited for Scoop Nation and Justin to get uh, finally get a chance to play it. I can't wait for Game of the Year watch. I mean, Ooh. I, I can't wait to get to a point where I can talk about story stuff with people because I, I need to talk about it, but I won't. How did we? How did we get this in Final Fantasy 16 within like Six eight or months. nine months of each other? Yeah, it's crazy, right? Different developments. What of, the uh, heck? I think it was probably a mistake on Square Enix's part to to release them so close to each other. One thing that is kind of weird. Final Fantasy 16 getting DLC next month. It's it's final bit of DLC, oh. the the Rising Tides, the one that has Leviathan in it. So it's like, yeah, Final Fantasy 16 kind of got the short end of the stick on this one. Uh, but hey, I, I don't know. I'm not a businessman. <laughs> Amazing. Before we move on, Nick, I'd like to know just without any spoilers, mm-hmm. and you know, this is this is a big story beat in the, the original Final Fantasy 7 that we're not going to get into here. But just in case anybody's never played, I just want to know, in your opinion, how did they handle that moment uh i agree with how our reviewer michael um talked about the overarching story beats i think there's a lot of i i think my biggest problem with the game story is i do think that it lacks that narrative momentum that gets you like oh yeah i'm I'm really vibing with the story here i think a lot of that has to do with a lot of the side activities maybe it's my fault for wanting 100 97 (laughs) not too many chocobos um but I, i think that there's it is not unexpected, and it does some interesting things that I want to talk about. But you know, I, I rolled credits on this like four days ago, and I'm still thinking about it in a way that uh, I, I don't quite have an answer. But I'm I don't hate it. I don't okay. hate it. Okay. I don't it's know a, that I. It's I don't, a moment. I don't know that I love it. It's a moment so iconic that if you just say the moment, everyone knows what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, so, it, like, how many other games can claim something like that? <laughs> And I think it's, they do handle that with the weight of like, you know, this, you know, 25 deck, you know, the New York Times posted a push notification that, that, <laughs> that spoiled the original Final Fantasy VII's big moment. So they did that like two days ago. So I take that for what you will. But I think that they, they do interesting things that I can't wait to discuss for the foreseeable future. All right. Okay, uh, let's talk about another game that's still big in the moment, Helldivers 2. I finally did get a chance to play this. Anybody else? I wanted no, to I'm play it. I'm surprised you played it. <laughs> but, so over uh, the weekend, I couldn't get in. I do. I tried yeah. with, with all my it's fellow IGN employees. I've been trying to, we've been trying to make dates to play the game, and it's just every time. Yeah, I couldn't get in over the weekend. I did finally get in a couple nights this week. Mm-hmm. Just playing by myself. <clears throat> First of all, I think it's complete... Sorry, bullshit. That I I play this game by myself. There's no reason yep. I sh- it should require an online connection for, to, to play that way. I think it's completely unacceptable for any game. But that aside, I have been have I have been, have been having fun. It's been a good appetizer game, like I've talked about before. I can, you can just go do a couple missions and then jump into Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. It's maybe a little bit simpler than I was expecting. Again, I'm just playing by myself, but it's like. You know, you just land near your objective, and your objective is going to be something fairly simple, like activate this terminal and twist these valves, and then you're good to go, and you extract. But of course, there's aliens attacking you. But uh, reading our guide today, I think I've been playing it a little bit wrong, because there's, you, you're rewarded for exploring more, and not just running directly for your objective. So that's all. You can I'll, find some super credits and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's, like that that's, I, I should spend some more time doing that, but yeah. 
That's fun. It's a fun game. I, it, it's a having fun by myself. It feels like a rare game where it's you know very clearly like a pushing technology for the PS5. Like it, it's very impressive looking. Uh, it's beautiful. Honestly, the lighting system in the game is nuts when you go from planet to planet. Uh, but it's one of the rare games where I feel like I'm playing a a high-end game that is evocative of an arcade spirit, right? Like like you, I just kind of jump in, yeah. I play a match, I get a little palate cleanser in, I'm like, cool, I'm gonna play something else now. Yeah. It's like, it's nice to just get in, you do some action, and then you get out. It reminds me a lot of like a Smash TV in that regard, where I, I got, I shot some aliens, <laughs> I walked through some areas, I left, I lost, won, now I'm done. You'll buy that for a dollar. I would buy that <laughs> for a dollar. Forty dollars, though. I mean, well, <laughs> when we talked about we talked about this last week on the show, like the game is still very new. I think that was its first week, and now it's in week two. You're talking about its Steam concurrent stats still mm-hmm. climbing. Like this game looks like it's going to be a big hit. Like this game has had an incredible run so far. Like it okay. just keeps it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like it launched big. Like I was just checking its Steam stats. Like it's very rare for a game to build audience over time. Usually games launch and have their mm-hmm. biggest audience at launch and then, you know, sort of decline and plateau, but actually Helldivers two is still climbing. Like, I'm not sure we've seen the peak, like yeah. the, the developer, you know, the CEO of the studio is actually being pretty cute about like, you know, don't buy our game right now. Like the servers are overloaded. Like, so like I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but just on the outside looking in, I'm just impressed and amazed just from a business standpoint of like, you know, how many meetings are happening at Sony right now talking about how successful the steam release has been. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the textbook, like, Hey, maybe we should just go day and date on PC and console release. Like it, it worked out well for him so yeah. far. Yeah. The other game I wanted to shout out is uh, something new. It's a new eight bit side scrolling action platformer, Castlevania like called uh, Lords of Exile. Mm. And uh, it's really fun. It's got great NES-style pixel art paired with a 16-bit like Genesis-style soundtrack. We're looking at it right here. And it's good. It's linear. It's not a Metroidvania. So it's going to be more like uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, mm-hmm. those two games. Although you just have the one character that you use. But uh, I'm totally enjoying it. It's like a really well-done retro NES uh, platforming hack-and-slash game that I recommend. Looks great. Yeah, looks Lords great. of Exile. Very pretty. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. 
Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, the Borderlands <laughs> trailer. Has everyone seen the Borderlands trailer? We have indeed. Yes. Oh, yeah. Would it? What would anyone say? They think it looks good. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I mean, look. It. I. It's hard to say. I don't think it looks. I'm middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. I think it is incredibly miscast. Is mm-hmm. what I think. Mm-hmm. I think all of these people look like they're in cosplay and don't look like that. They made any attempt to make them feel like real people or feel like they're characters from you know the games. They feel like actors playing silly characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's my overarching opinion. Like I think that I think that I went into this trailer thinking like this is going to be dog shit, and then I was like, okay, well, it just looks like Guardians of the Galaxy. That's so exactly, like, yeah, exactly right. I, I'm very tired of the trailer like musical cues of that one song. You definitely know when it's it's, it's very evocative of Guardians of the Galaxy, and I'm tired of that formula. Also, wild title card from the producer of Uncharted and Venom, and <laughs> oof, yeah. Hey, hats off to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, the top actually the top comment on our trailer is, this looks like celebrities cosplaying characters they heard about from their kids oh. while using a James Gunn filter to make it look fun. <laughs> yes, it looks like Agreed. Produ- production design. It seems like they did a good job of like evoking the the imagery of, of Borderlands. I'm also not. This a looks big... like like it looks like mood board the movie. You know, it's just like. <laughs> What 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 does Borderlands have going for it? And then it's just like it's not much, you know. Like it, it's a really great, cool numbers shooty RPG. Like doesn't make for, yeah. It's never been a great what, setting. It's been mo- kind of a bland setting. What Borderland is like, from moment to moment, is uh, crazed you know, people running at you, spouting gibberish, and then you blow their heads off. Like that's 
That's Borderlands. And, and then they drop guns, and yeah. then you pause the game, you yeah. go into your inventory, you swap your weapon out, and then you do the same thing three seconds later. I'm not a big Borderlands yep. fan. Yet they <laughs> made Tales from the Borderlands, and they made Tiny Tina, and there are a bunch of story-based things in the universe. I just don't know about them. So well, I don't, you know, I don't this understand. is not selling me on it. It's like, you know, Claptrap, but you know, Tiny Tina. So Tiny Tina is a beloved character, but like Claptrap is the other beloved character, right? Yeah. Like that's the thing, like so funny and clever. And like that is a voiced character. Yeah, it's like you did not need like you exactly. didn't need to have Jack Black do this. <laughs> like you already had it. Just get like, the you guy. had it. Just get the guy. <laughs> um, you know, and I, you know, there's maybe some weirdness. Like maybe he doesn't want to play the character anymore. Sure. Like because there's this this acrimonious stuff about you know Randy Pitchford and Gearbox right sure. it, going back many years. So you know maybe that's at play. But like you know like. Tiny Tina and Claptrap. Those are like the two iconic things in yeah. Handsome Jack. Those are the things that everybody loves about Borderlands. And I think that Tiny Tina seems off in this trailer and Absolutely. Claptrap seems off in this trailer. Why not? So. Also, dubstep music is kind of like a thing for Borderlands. How come this trailer didn't use dubstep? That feels right for this. I don't <laughs> it's, know. It needed to sound like Guardians. I mean, yeah, it did. Yeah, t- Tiny Tina seems way off. You know, no offense to the actress Ariana Greenblatt. Um, although you would have, no, you probably recognize her from um, a few other things. She played young Ahsoka in the Ahsoka series, and she was mm. also young uh, Gamora in Infinity War. Oh, wow, mm. oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think that based, like, this movie might turn out to be okay. It might turn out to be like decent, but like, based off this trailer, I think there's a ceiling <laughs> for like, like the range of like how good this movie could be. It's like, you know, maybe it'll be okay, but it could also be quite bad. Like, I don't, I don't think there's much chance of this being a real banger at this point. Eli Roth, he, he kind of like swings both sides. He makes good stuff and bad yeah. stuff. So, Thanksgiving, I, I hear was fun. I hear was fun. I like Cabin Fever. Um, but then he also does stuff like, you know, the Death Wish remake and, you know. I like the first Hostel, even though it's a little bit too much for me. I do yeah. like that movie. Yeah. I liked it when he I was... I mean, I do like... Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to like, I do. I'm just, we're rewatching this trailer here for people listening to the audio. Like, I like that this movie is taking a big swing. Like it's really going for it, right? Like this movie feels very authentically borderlands. And like, we live in an era where like the Mario movie made $600 million and Sonic, you know, is, is, you know, yeah. And Sonic's really popular. Last of us just won a billion Emmy awards. Like what a time for like video game adaptations. (laughs) Like, well, yeah, I am very, I'm very skeptical that this one can sort of hit those high heights, but like, you know, it, 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 um, it, it's just think about what this movie would have been like 10 years ago, right? They would well, have butchered funny. it all the heck. I mean, it's funny you say that, Justin, because 10 years ago is when this movie was announced. Yeah. It's been in, right. cooking <laughs> for a bit. So here's like, here's, here's a timeline of this movie. And I'm not, I'm not rooting for this movie to fail. I just like, what's this, it rated first? Uh, that's a good mm. question. Uh, Nick, you look that up while I... I gotcha. So the timeline. Movie announced in 2015. The script was locked in 2020 by Craig Mazin, who did Chernobyl and The Last of Us. And then Eli Roth was hired to direct. By March 2021, uh, the script had been rewritten uh, by several people and then again by Roth. And then they wrapped filming in June 2021. So they wrapped. (laughs) Then they had reshoots in January of 2023. So all that time they were trying to cobble this movie together and make it work, and it wasn't working. But Eli Roth had already left to do Thanksgiving, so they had to bring in Tim, Mil- Tim Miller from Deadpool to do the reshoots. And now, now a year later, we get the first trailer, and it's coming out this summer. So that, I'm just saying, that's not like a recipe for a movie that is, has been you know, uh, put together well and is going to turn out well. 
so hard it to find. It was filmed three now. years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a, like it was filmed during the pandemic, and I think yeah. that also threw a wrench in the things. So I mean, like I'm not rooting for it to fail either. Maybe I am a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> but like, but I I do like I do give the movie credit. Like we left, we lived in the dark ages of video game adaptations. Yeah. Like you know, like Tomb Raider that just had no respect for the source material. Like it's, it's not know, rated we, yet. Like not we rated. have to. The, for decades, if you were a video game fan, we lived in an environment where any movie or television show had to be completely, they thought that it had to be completely different from the game in order to appeal. And, and at least Borderlands is not that right. Like it, it, yeah. it's right in line with the, with the vibe and storytelling of the game. So I do give it some credit for that. Do you think weird. that the, the timing of that crediting is, is a joke about Venom being bad? No, no, I don't think so at all. I think like okay, like Venom was it's really it was, it's it's really poignant time timing. But Venom was successful, Sam. Venom made a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, yes, yeah. I'm aware. So for, I, I'm not saying I'm not making a comment on it. I'm wondering if that's a joke that they're making. <laughs> no, they know what they're doing. They're like, hey, 16 year old boys that mm-hmm. liked Venom, mm-hmm. come see Borderlands. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the like we keep saying like you know un- from the people that brought you Uncharted and Venom, it's because it's not for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when was Borderlands as a game series for anyone? It's been irrelevant for a while. Well, that's the thing. It's been a bit. It's been a minute. They're also about 10 years too late for a Borderlands movie. Yeah, it feels like Borderlands 2 would have been peak opportunity to release this. And And that's like 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 10 years ago, right? Uh, Also kind of wild that this is is Kate Blanchett. (laughs) Also, her second video game movie. What was the first one? Uh, Tar. What? Wait a minute. All right. Yeah. All right. Mm. <laughs> you got to get to the end of Tar. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Which one is Tar? Tar is where, she, where she's it's a composer. It's about her being. Okay. 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 Sorry. I just haven't seen it. A conductor. A conductor. Yeah. A conductor. Sorry. Anyway, that's Borderlands movie. It will be inflicted upon us later this year. Uh, we got some new. <laughs> but, you're, but you're not saying any. You, you wish this movie the best. <laughs> Uh, so a bunch of rare games have been added to Nintendo Switch Online. They include RC Pro-Am and Snake Rattle and Roll for the NES. Right. Always oh, those two. What do you always mean RC Pro? Two. What do you mean always? Those what does that mean? Nobody would even know what Snake Rattle and Roll was had it not just appeared in every type of format possible <laughs> since since it came out on NES. An isometric game that that's okay for you yeah. to play as an isometric snake. I think that I think that RC Pro Am is a stone cold classic. Like that it game, is. legit. Like I think a lot of NES games, if you didn't play them, if you didn't have like memories of them when you were a kid, I think that they're hard. They're hard to pick up and get into now. But like RC Pro Am, so playable and so smooth and good. Yep. Micro Machines did a good version of RC Pro Am. Um, yeah, I was actually RC Pro Am. I think it worked because it was so simple. When I was uh, I was looking for like supplementary material for this segment. I looked at the instruction manual. It's like five pages long. It's like it's really, really because it's just like you steer left and right. You can honk your horn with this button. You accelerate with this button. But that like it. drift move, it's not quite a drift, yep. but it feels yeah. right. It yeah. feels that's what, good. It's like people don't like again. If you're a younger gamer, you don't understand and appreciate how like games are like clunky and hard to like doing things like momentum and inertia and like the cars in RC Pro Am felt so good compared to like yeah. anything else on the NES. Man, what a game. That one's great. And then from, a rare Super, sequel. from Super Nintendo, we got uh, Killer Instinct and Battletoads. 
which is just yeah. You really want the the Super Nintendo version of Killer Instinct? What are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> and then is Battletoads? Is it just is it the same game as the NES game? Or is it like no? Insane? I only played it on the NES. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. It's, the they NES they did sequels. They did Battletoads and Double Dragons, and they did Battle Maniacs. So it's a sequel. Oh, what's on? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just so I think it's the graphics. final one. Does it have that incredible start music still? The pooch, pooch, pooch. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> it's not bad, though. It's got that battle copter. Yeah. Um, They're just what they are. I mean, that game was only made for Super Nintendos, you yeah. know, or maybe Genesis also. I'm just saying it wasn't like an arcade brawler or anything. So it's it's like, you know, it's just, no, it's just like Battle really Look good. at it. Yeah, it does look really looks cool. It's really good. <laughs> so, okay. It's, it's Battle Maniacs confirmed is what that trailer Yeah, showed. Battle Maniacs. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Blast Core from Nintendo 64 is also being put on. I've never played Blast Core. Blast Core is great. Blast Core is incredibly hard. Whoa. That's what I'm so excited for a whole generation of people that didn't have mm. that game on the N64 to just find out how ludicrously like frustrating <laughs> that game is. It's really tough. Mm. I always rented it, so I've definitely never got far enough to actually see credits on it. <laughs> yeah, it's good though. So... That's five rare games that were added. Do you guys have any idea how many more, <laughs> like just just NES games from Rare, could be added at any point? They did so many. I mean, NES I games. do. Yeah. They did. They did like fifty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, like what else could they could throw? Slalom on there. They did Digger uh, T Rock. Which one? T Rock. I don't even know that. Digger one. T Rock. I believe oh, some Digger, crap yeah. game they made. Was Saber Wolf ever NES? I don't. I don't really know too much about the. With a, with a U for the wolf. <laughs> they did all the game show games Sam Jeopardy Wheel of Fortune Double Dare dude bring that back yeah man we're in, we're inching closer and closer to some kind of like rare Nintendo redemption of like I don't know exactly how it would manifest itself but like we're inching closer and closer to some Nintendo Direct where like a rare made Banjo-Kazooie 3 or something is going to be announced as a megaton mm-hmm. God, maybe so rare is making the next Call of Duty <laughs> with avatars with Xbox avatars now I'm sad. <laughs> There's so many. They ported Marvel Madness. I mean, a Viva Pinata would be awesome, right? A new P- Viva yeah. Pinata would be awesome. Battle Royale Viva Pinata. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine like not Stop having a Viva it. Pinata out the year after Animal Crossing like took over the entire world? That is. Yeah, Viva, Pin- Viva Pinata is a deeply strange game. They made two <laughs> of them. It's unbelievable. They made one on the DS, right? Yeah. yeah there's yeah. three of them, I guess. Yeah. Two, two, and then a DS one. I don't know. I'm ju- I've just learned that Rare ported NARC to the NES. Hey, well, there you go. <laughs> cool. They did a great job Damn. getting those needles real sharp. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, what else, what, what else have we got this week? Um, oh, yeah, oh, and then there's kind of similar to this. I thought this was interesting. Also announced this week, Ninja 5.0 is coming back. From oh, the, yeah. Uh, limited yeah. run games. Very, very expensive uh, a-, a Game Boy Advance game. How how much yeah. how much does Ninja Five O go for? Because I was really uh, I think it was like an eighty dollars hundreds game. and hundreds of dollars. I, I was gonna say it's got to be at least a couple hundred bucks. Wow. Okay. Four hundred eighty-five oh, wow. right. on eBay. That was way it's, off. it's been five hundred dollars for as long as I can remember. <clears throat> yeah, that's crazy. I was shocked if I uh, on Facebook, uh, Sam. I shared this in the group, but like I got in the Facebook Marketplace, someone was selling Godzilla for PS4 for like two hundred and fifty dollars. <sighs> And that game yeah, sucks. but is that for a reason? I think it's just rare. It's probably it like is. Out of so that is one yeah. of the rare ones. Yeah, yeah, I don't know my PS2 rares very well. But anyway, 
This isn't a remake of Ninja 5.0. For those that don't know, don't know, it's a very good Ninja Gaiden Shinobi-like for GBA. Uh, and I think it's number 23 on IGN's list of top GBA games. It's, it's this double whammy of like the game's really, really good. And it's also like way better than it had any yeah. right or reason to be. Like, yeah. why does this random unlicensed ninja game go this yeah. hard? <laughs> like, they didn't need to do this. Like, and so that that's like that's I think what's given it its mystique. Like I don't want to take away like the game is really good, but yeah. in kind of the the mystique of like the GBA library, it punches above its weight just mm. because it's this. It could have been this generic ninja game that no one would ever talk about again. Yeah, I think it also kind of came out in an era. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. Of like there being a lot of bargain uh, bin style GBA releases. That's and the GBA with, with a title like. Ninja Five O. You look at it once. You're like, all right. Well, I'm gonna yeah, keep, exactly keep keep going. But uh, I I only discovered this game as a result of uh, listening to a Retronauts and uh, Jeremy Parrish just talking glowingly about it. So I was like, all right, I got to check this thing out. And I had a blast with it. It's so much fun. But what I think is kind of weird is that it's not a remake. It's it's a port. And Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch Online has GBA games. So it's like they could it could have come to that. But no, it's, yeah. they're gonna no, no, sell no. it to us. They're gonna sell it to us. <laughs> That's fine. Rip. Look, it's got this anime cutscene. I mean, sure, if they add that. Sure. If you get anime cutscenes, I'm in. That's coming soon to Switch, PS5 and 4, and PC. I think it's also getting a physical Unexpected. release. It's because it's yeah. limited run. Limited run, yeah, yeah. That's fun. Okay, I want to share, a, a, speaking of Godzilla, a little anecdote before we do Video Game 20 questions. I showed my son uh, the Godzilla Kong, the new Empire trailer. He's four and a half. He loved it. Uh, and so I was also showing him some scenes from a recent Godzilla movies like Godzilla vs. Kong and King of the Monsters. He was into all that. And then he asked if there was a Godzilla video game. So I was like, okay, let's go down this route. <laughs> you <laughs> so said I, it, not me. <laughs> so I pulled up some uh, Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee on GameCube. Nice. He likes that. But there's also there's a lot of different monsters that he hadn't seen before, like Megalon. Uh, Megalon's like the beetle. Yeah, he's only, he's appeared in exactly one Godzilla movie, Godzilla vs. Megalon, which I think is 1972, which is like the peak of the cartoony, silly Godzilla movies where he has big googly eyes. And he does the tail slide to like slam into Megalon. <laughs> Classic. So we wanted to see that, and I was like, okay, let's watch some of this. But then he was, he, he, was, he could not have been less impressed with the older <laughs> Godzilla stuff. He was like, first of all, Godzilla, his older roar, he just said like, eh. Yeah, that sort of yeah. thing constantly, and he's like, "Why is Godzilla screaming?" Because the legendary Godzilla doesn't do that. And then he also he goes, "No, no, Daddy, this is when Godzilla when he was a little kid." It's uh, <laughs> a great way of looking. At like, it. I want yeah. I want Godzilla when he's a grown up. That's what he's thinking. Got it. I just mind. like I like the idea of the 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 mental play in my head of Damon trying to defend original Godzilla's I mean, I didn't, four year old son. <laughs> I've already shown him the the amazing good stuff, and I was like, "Well, I did this. I messed up." I went the wrong way. I should have started here. No, actually, son, he's really cool. I promise. <laughs> you should, you should just do Rampage. Just get a copy of Rampage. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Oh man, that'd be a good one. Well, oh, you mean a copy of Rampage starring The Rock? <laughs> no, I know. I mean, he pro- he would probably love it. If I'm being honest, he would probably love it. Yeah, anyway, there's the. The adventures of like showing your kids media from when you were a kid is like a whole thing. It's very fraught yeah. sometimes. Yep. Like you just have to accept that they're that you know they're just not going to be into it in the way you were. They're going to be into their own stuff. Well, it's 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 like like it could go either way. Like as your son, 
As your son gets older, his Godzilla is not going to be Godzilla. It's going to be something else sure. that like he's exposed to that he that that is formative for him as he becomes an adult, right? What yeah. you have to do is cut them off from all media except for the <laughs> stuff that you watch. So if you liked Gumby, then they have to only watch Gumby and then they'll love it. Yeah. And then be like that play horse rules. <laughs> and then you get into these weird, you know, you have these like my kids are a little bit older than yours, Damon. And so they're starting to get a little bit more of a sense of like, you know, they know pixel games are like, oh, those are old games from when like you were our age. I'm yeah. like, yep, that's right. And like, you know, but like 3D Mario, like they get a lot like they don't like my daughter was trying to play Super Mario 64. I was like very confused by why it controls the way it does compared mm-hmm. to like modern Mario games. It's interesting. It's like a baby's toy. <laughs> it's mario when he was a little kid (laughs) yeah Yeah. there you go that brings us to video game 20 questions our suggestion this week comes from lance from tallanasty his words not mine (laughs) Mm. is that tallahassee i'm assuming it's tallahassee (laughs) Suburb of Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Let's, a neighborhood. Every neighborhood's got to have its own name. <laughs> Let the questioning begin. Did we talk about any of the games on today's episode? Any of the games? Yes. What? What, what, what are you asking? Uh, is this game one of the games we've we've mentioned in today's episode? No. So it's probably <clears throat> not a rare game. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, There's a lot we didn't mention. It could still be Jet Force Gemini. We hadn't mentioned that one yet. Oh, man. Uh, okay. Did this game come out in the 70s, 80s, or 90s? No. Is this, Is this a console exclusive? No. Was this game available Ooh. on the Nintendo Switch? No. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Did it come to the Switch as its first console? No. That's fine. Uh, okay. Was this game made in the United States? Yes. Great. Hmm. Was this game made by Activision or Electronic Arts? No. Is it an indie game? Yes. I think it's World of Goo. <laughs> It just got a sequel announced. What do you think is the record for like longest gap between the original and the sequel? No like, hmm. Hmm. well, isn't Did you pa- see... didn't Pong just get a sequel? Yeah, but that I don't mean like stunty <laughs> stuff like that. I mean an actual like they made a game and then thirty years later they made a game too. Hmm. We, we'll look into it. I'll, okay. We'll take that on as a research <clears throat> project. Um, wait, was the answer yes? It's an indie game. Yes. Is this a platformer RPG or shooter? No. Yeah. Hmm. World of Goo. <laughs> I don't even know what genre I'd put. Is this a puzzle game or roguelike? No. I'm just gonna cut it off there. Oh no, World of Goo, man. So wait, so what do we eliminate? Roguelike? Shoot. R- RPG uh, platforms and shooters are it is not. And nor is it a roguelike or puzzle game. Correct. So what what is that? Like racing, fighting games, uh Yep. Is yep. That, is that it? Racing game, sports fighting games? game, sports game. Is this racing, fighting, or sports? No. <laughs> Wait, what the Oh no! <laughs> those are all the genres. What what's going on? <laughs> do we do RPG? 
Yeah, we yeah. did. Uh, simulators? <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, Sims. Yeah, well, it could be, could be RTS. Stardew. Or, or, or turn-based. Yeah, or Stardew likes simulation. Yeah, those. Simulation is weird because it's, you know, I don't like, I don't trust a genre that has Harvest Moon and Flight Sim in the same <laughs> genre. I know. Is this Sim strategy or cozy? No. <laughs> Guys, we're in, we're, in, we're in real trouble here. This is, yeah, this is not good. It could be a po- point-and-click adventure game. <laughs> <laughs> an adventure game? Yeah, yeah just an adventure game? I don't mm. know if I want to keep doing genres. You know, we could, don't have to. I just think it's good that we know it's yeah, weird. Yeah, it is weird. It's definitely weird. It could be like an arcade. Like a lot of arcade games defy genre descriptions, right? Like, I don't know, Cubert's not in the genre. What about I know a garlic-like? This, I, yeah, I know this game came out. Yep, could be a garlic-like. Souls-like? That I don't know about Souls like because we did action and RPG. Well, we technically did platformer. <laughs> what shooter, genre is platformer RPG shooter? That that's technically what I said. We didn't say action. That's a little too broad, I think. I mean, Souls like some of them are blatantly RPGs, and some like Sekiro are like yeah. yeah think of many on Switch. That's true. That's a good point too. And it could be I don't know if Damon counts FPS as shooter. Also, that's always confusing. But it's it's an indie, so I don't think it's FPS. God, man, is you? It's made. It's made in the U.S. A U.S. made indie game. That's a weird, weird U.S. indie game. Unless it's a sim, but it's not a cozy. No, we eliminated sim and cozy. How many mm-hmm. uh, questions do we have? You've asked twelve questions. We've asked: Is your main character a person, like a humanoid? Human. Yes. Humanoid character. Can is this a sci-fi way? game? Yes. <gasps> what if it's like? very story based like maybe it is a point and click adventure game what if is like a i've never played it but is a boy in his blob like a like a platform is that a platformer or is that more adventure game ask i think it's platform it's like an adventure game yeah it's like puzzle platformy right i don't know that i've ever played it either by the way i just realized we didn't talk about the nintendo direct we didn't get to talk about a new monkey ball game the first one oh my gosh that's a good point or we didn't talk monkey ball tree what the heck yeah (laughs) All right, we can, we can get to that. Those, <laughs> scoop, uh, scoop gems for after 20 questions. Oh. Um, and then a new Endless Ocean, which is secretly the Megaton out of the direct. Um, yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, okay, humanoid shoot. We were onto something for a second, then I sidetracked. Humanoid game that's American-made. Sci-fi. 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 It's playable on Switch. Not Met- in any... Maybe it's Met- like Trivania, a... maybe? Maybe it's yeah. just like Axiom Verge? Yeah, or like uh, I've, I was thinking sci-fi. Maybe it's like some trading, like you know. Space. Oh, what about card games? You guys love those. We do love card games. Oh wait, isn't there? Should like... we do? It's this card Metroidvania or adventure. Sure. All right. Let it be asked. Okay, card Metroidvania or adventure. Acknowledging that adventure is broad, right? You're not talking about point and click. Yeah. Okay, then yes, that's fifteen. Oh no, that that, that I oh man. Maybe it's oh my god, I love this game too. So I'm embarrassed that I can't remember the name of it. What's the game where you're on the boat and you're ushering the characters on to the afterlife? Mm-hmm. Oh, spirit. Oh uh, wait, Spirit Fair. Spirit Fair. Yeah, that's, I would call that cozy sim. Yeah, maybe you're right. Mm. I love that game. Yeah, I know, very pretty game. It, it it gets too repetitive. I never finished it, but I played I played it for many 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 hours. 
Great music too. It's so Just, poignant, yeah. and then I think it's so weird that they their DLC was like, "There's new characters for you to like learn their trauma and usher them yeah, through the afterlife." I, <laughs> I don't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, um, it's not sci-fi either. So, so you would call this in some way? I mean, this is a question I'm asking: mm-hmm. a sci-fi adventure game. Yes, but the actual genre, you probably wouldn't call it that. But if that's like the bucket that it falls into. Well, <laughs> I mean, we didn't. So there's there's like um, visual novels. We didn't do we didn't do survival crafting games like or like a No Man's Sky, No Mansky, or you know, there's others. The, there's the there's, um, yeah, the tree punchers is Astroneer. I don't know if that came to switch. That did. That did come to switch. And that is an indie. Did but No Man's Sky? That's an indie. I ooh, I don't know if No Man's Sky did. Hello, that's Hello Games. Are, are they based out of the U.S.? Yeah, that's okay. They might be Canadian, but they're North American at least. I actually don't know where Hello Games is. Um, but it could be something like that. Could be a survival sci-fi survival game. Do you go from planet to planet in this game? No. <sighs> Man. <laughs> We ain't getting nothing today. Um, could, could it be based on a license? I don't know. Probably not if it's into it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I'm gonna go ahead and say I don't know what this game is. Like, it's probably a game I don't know. Is maybe? Is this a? What about a? You go, Justin. What was that? Um, what was that? Um, what was that? You be no? Do we eliminate? It's, well, Ubisoft's not India. I was thinking about their Toys to Life game, the Starship game, Starlink. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one where you could do the Starships. Well, this one is um, uh, US-based, right? Yeah, I don't know who made Starlink. Did we, we just say not Japan, or did we say US? You, we said if this was made in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know it's okay. the United States, and we know it's not Activision or EA. Or maybe I just dreamed that I asked that. No, we eliminated it because we asked Switch Indy. Interesting. What, what about... Um, What's the what's the game where you jump? It was a mobile game first, but you light speed jump over and over again, and it's a kind Jet of a, that's Joyride? what I like though. No, L- not that one. Uh, uh, the L- one where you build your L- ship and then you jump. What's that called? L- light LTS LTN FTL That's a rogue, right? Did we eliminate strategy games? Did we did we ask that ever? I mean, if it's a if it's in the adventure bucket, I don't think it's a strategy game. Because there's because here, there's Into the Breach, which was an indie strategy game, and there's Thirteen Sentinels. Yeah, I don't know either of those. Is this is this a visual novel? No. Okay, I just had to get that out. How, how many questions, questions do we have left? left? Two questions and a guess. Okay. Oh, and also I want to point out, no pressure, but you have not lost this year yet. Ah oh, man, yes we have. You can't say that. There's no way. <laughs> I I I don't. I don't want to burn a question. Like Damon said, it's kind of like adventure right? So I don't think it's like Into the Breach. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Justin. Hmm. It's not an um, RPG, so it's not like Cosmic Star Hero. Should we just ask if it has like pixel graphics or something like that? Maybe it's like based on like arcade, really arcadey or really that, old school style. That would help me. Does this have pixely graphics? No. Oh, man. Okay. That eliminates Into the Breach. What kind of a sci-fi game is not an RPG or a sim 
Well, you're what not. If it's like limbo or inside. You're not planet hopping. Yeah. Inside. Well, that's it like didn't... a plat. I would say those are platformers. Hmm. What about a? Uh, what about Sable? Oh. You remember that game where you're on yeah. the cool ship and it's got that cool art style? What do you play as? You you play as a, a like a little girl a woman, I right? Is it? Yeah, I didn't play it. I only remember. Do you go seeing... to multiple planets? You do not go to multiple planets, but it, it is all based on one planet and it is not. It is adventure esque, but it is not a point and click adventure. It was originally released on Xbox and later ported. It's got that like you got like a hover bike thing, right? And yeah. the graphics are all cell shaded and look all cool. Yeah, well, that's not a bad one. I, I think it's better than anything we've got. Do you want to do the honors and just guess it? Because <laughs> you know what else I just remembered. Um, well, there is that, uh, the bartender Valhalla, the game where oh, you're the, yeah, you're yeah. the bar, the sci-fi bartender. Yeah. That's not quite anything that we've, it, it's kind of weird to categorize. So yeah, that, that kind of fits. No, but we did eliminate visual novel actually. Mm-hmm. And I would call that a game of visual novel. Mm. Damn. Um, I mean, right now you've question. mentioned enough games. You could ask the, you could mention a few more and then ask if we've mentioned it. Do we have one question left and then a guess? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Have we mentioned the name of this game? No. Oh, oh no. <laughs> no, you haven't. Do you want to just like, I, I kind of, it's shot in the dark, but I liked your sable head. No, he mentioned it already. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, you're right. Jeez. I mean, it's gotta be like a, it's, it's, I mean, I would call slime rancher cozy. But it's got to be some kind of like tree punching. It's got to be, you know, and I know we mentioned Astroneer, but like it's one of those. It almost has to be like what some if it's sort that of like, really stylized set in the like a cyberpunk 80s game that Damon loved. No, I think that had pixel graphics, though, and I can't remember. What it, but there, it was only part of a game and then most of it's coming out later. I can't remember what it's called, though. 1980X or something like that. Uh, like 20XX. Or- oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't have it. Shall I reveal it? Yes. Sure. All right. You were closest when you were talking about the tree punchers. Ah! Right. I knew it. It's a survival Mm -hmm. crafting game. Uh, Lance from Tallahassee says he picked it because it's just like Scavenger's Rain. You crash land on a deadly planet with unique flora and fauna, try to survive and make it off the planet. It's Subnautica. Crashlands? Subnautica. Darn it. I should have. I was thinking survival games. No. <laughs> when we were like, when we were three or four I didn't questions know ago. Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that either. We should have burned a question confirming if it was a survival crafting game or not. I think we got caught up because I think when we asked the tree puncher, I think we coupled that with the adventure game thing. And I think that led us down the like thinking more adventure game like E as opposed to yeah. the other answer. So the, the Switch is not known for its survival games either. No, except you know, Minecraft. Like, yeah, I dude, by the way, I played this on Game Pass and I was so stressed out. Like it's such a Justin game, like explore this world and collect resources and build out your base. But something about it, like I don't think I have a fear of being underwater, but this game just freaked me the F out. <laughs> and I had to I couldn't play it. It's pretty like upsetting. even when I was not in like even even when I was not in like the deep, like the B-roll we're watching now. Just like being underwater and stuff swimming up to me and biting me. And I just, I don't know, man. Like there's something about it. Yeah. It's just, I have I, had I multiple people recommend like this game to me since we talked about Scavenger's Rain on the show. Yeah. 
It is, it is really good from like an eco, like, you know, like the small fish eat the big fish and then you build up your base and you get these resources. Like it's really good for all of that. And it's like just a, and, and, a worldwide phenomenon. You probably bond with your son over it. Honestly, it's so popular with kids. Subnautica is. Yeah, it's like big for like YouTuber stuff. Like kids. I don't know if it's still on game. It. You should see if it's on Game Pass still, Damon. Yeah. Or just buy it. I hear I the know. second like, one's also pretty darn good too. Uh, and there, um, this developer's based in San Francisco. And mm. um, I thought when you were talking about World of Goo, that developer is also based in San Francisco. So I thought there may be some. <laughs> confusion there if you end up going down that path i think this is is it published by like nexon or something i I don't know uh crafton 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 does and then justin hello games is based in the uk oh okay Uh, darn subnautica everybody dang thanks for the suggestion lance from Tallahassee. So now we don't get to talk about Monkey Ball because we lost. <laughs> yeah, that's our punishment. That's our punishment. I, yeah. I, I, I can save it for next week. Um, well, I, the only reason I was a little bit, um, I don't know if how excited I should get Justin is because it seems very multiplayer focused. I mean, it's got 200 single player levels in it. Yeah. It's the first mul- the Monkey Ball. So, but here's, here's the real, Monkey Ball is one of those franchises like Halo where it needs to change and evolve. It's been the same thing forever, but the fans are always fucking furious whenever they change the smallest detail about it. And so they're just trapped, right? And like, and I acknowledge this as a Monkey Ball fan. We're like, it looks really cool and I should be so happy that the franchise isn't just dead because it's been over a decade, but they added like a spin dash to it. And like, and like, I'm a purist and I'm like, mm, I don't know about this. I don't need my monkey doing anything a ball except rolling around. Um, like, but they did add the jump button in the Wii monkey ball, which yeah. was just sacrilege. Like it's unbelievable. So <laughs> just like they, they, they did that. <laughs> yeah. Like what were they thinking? So maybe the spin dash is like a nice middle ground of like, you know, no jump button, but we do give you some mobility options. Is the switch the right system for this? Shouldn't this be on like the best 60 frames per second, like console out there? I would imagine that it'll be fine at 60 FPS. Um, yeah, like it's kind of a party, you know, party vibe. I think the Switch is a good home for it. I mean, yeah, Monkey Ball has always been like a Nintendo. I don't know if it's... I bet when you go into that four, four screen split screen, like it's going to <laughs> yeah. chug like yeah, crazy. Maybe, and maybe be, don't do that. Really <laughs> don't, don't, I was, don't, don't do split screen. <laughs> I was at a thing recently where like the icebreaker question was like, if you're in a room with a thousand other people... What do you think? What would you be better at than, the, than those other one thousand people? What are you the best at in the room? And my aunt, like, I was like Super Monkey Ball, like un- undoubtedly. That's awesome. Mine would be Donanpachi. Donanpachi. Yeah, wow. that's a great answer. And then mine would be fixing pinball machines. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably uh, recounting the events of the compilation of Final Fantasy VII. and that's why you're here (laughs) sam our local um pizza parlor their arcade has fallen it's so bad now it's like like a year ago was actually pretty good good. but i think and then they just let them stand yeah and i I think they just don't have a good maintenance person or something and they just all broke and so now like half of it is it's like a small room they they used to have maybe 10 machines total of arcade and pinball now they have like Mm. six but half of them are broken and oh it's just so sad are there any oh, pinball machines there anymore? Yeah, there's um, a Guardians of the Galaxy one. Yeah, and then uh, I think, oh, Rush. There's a Rush wow. machine. The band, I'm a little the surprised. So, 
Those you'd will think, hold up. They're Sterns. Yeah. You'd think some other operator would want to be getting in there and getting machines yeah, in place. Think, like there's not that not that many places where you can place a pinball so machine. Anymore. I went to the LA office two weeks ago and I fixed every single arcade machine in the arcade. Mm-hmm. And I took a video. Nick helped uh, uh, with finding a video a controller to turn on one of the TVs. And I just did like a 360 video. Like they're all working right now and they never will again. Yep. <laughs> It is. We still I have to, to fix them all the time. They're all still good, as far as I'm concerned. Actually, I did. Yeah, you'll have to keep on turning on that Street Fighter machine the way we showed you that. I do think I heard somebody say that. Uh, not game. I'm just gonna take off my earphones. Yeah. <laughs> One of the pinball <laughs> machines I think might be busted right now. Mm. <laughs> Gotta come back. A pinball answer. machine, really? I think so. Ooh, I heard I somebody saying like, "Oh man, this one's not working." I'll send a picture to you later. Can you chase that down and take a picture if there's an if there's an issue? Gotcha. I'll fix it remotely. <laughs> and that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Joe and Ryan working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. Viewers and listeners, if you have your own uh, questions or suggestions for 20 questions, email them to me at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.